This podcast is not meant to be informative or educational and has a potential to be completely irrelevant. This is Property Jam. of Property Jam, the podcast where we talk about everything on the human side of property. And today we are uh, very excited to have with us um, Sean. Uh, Sean has been all over the UK. Um, I believe you've done all sorts of moving around and um, you know, you've picked, I don't know, I'm, you know what, I'm just going to let you go over to um, introduce yourself. Sean, who are you? Why are you here? No worries. <laughs> Hi, uh, Niall, Joe, Scott, how you doing? Matt, sorry. How you doing? We're good. Yeah, also, I feel like I feel like Matt just called you Sean. Like that's the only name you have. I feel like you need to say your full name so everyone knows. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, that's fine. My name's Sean Boyce. I there am uh, CEO and founder of Lion Property Group and Freeholds to Freedom Property UK. Um, nickname short Boycey. That's much easier. Much easier to remember. Yes. I am from London, and yes, it is because of only fools and horses, and yes, it does go back to grandparents, parents, everything, uh, but I'll always respond if you call me that. Um, so, yeah, so I, uh, I mean, I, so, so I've been investing in property for eight years now, nearly nine years, started when I was 19, feel quite fortunate to get into it at that age and have a sort of a financial IQ, well, be introduced to a financial IQ at that age, which has really, really helped me. It also gave me time to be a bit lazy coming forward with it and then decide what I really wanted to do and how much I wanted to push it um started getting into property with my mom uh, we we're both absolutely skint she just set up a, a sheet metal company would you believe no you've met my mom haven't you she's just like a trojan um she'll do anything um, we got and... drunk a few times together yes <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah 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 vodka shots through the eye all sorts like you name it she's done it his, so his, his mom was a legend yeah <laughs> But, but the best business partner to have, obviously, mother and son. So, so there's no question of trust instantly. And also, frankly, you know, she, her getting into it at 47, 48, she's far more driven than I am. So it was great having someone like that on side. She's not a quitter. You know, we've, we've always had a very good attitude of getting on with stuff and making something work if we were struggling. So we got introduced to property through a friend who suggested that we read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I love that book. I'd always recommend that to anybody. And I'm sure all of you have read it. Um, uh, change times on, on this podcast. Yeah, changed my entire concept on money. And I always knew I wanted to do well, but I had no idea in what or why. Uh, and I just liked the idea. I didn't know anything about property. I just believe that you either had to be a millionaire or a drug dealer to own more than one. So... So it was, it was much, so it was very hard to know that, oh, well, if I've got no money, how can I get into this? And then got taught all sorts of ways on borrowing and lending. And obviously at 19, uh, I didn't have, I didn't have any lending footprint or anything like that. So nothing to go on by, but it also meant that I didn't have anything bad against my name. So actually finding money and raising money without having to physically ask somebody else for theirs wasn't actually that difficult. So we started investing down in South Wales Bought our first place, number two, Greg Road in Skewen. Don't ask where it is, just outside of Swansea in a tiny little village. Um, uh, I bought it on four credit cards and a bank loan. First one, cash outright. Couldn't believe it. And when everyone's going, oh, I've got no money, I've got no money, it was literally 30 minutes online filling out a bank form to raise pretty much all of that. 
So it's crazy that, that you know, when people say, oh, banks won't lend, it, it, I found that if you went, if you just kept going, you found what you needed. And, and I've found that in, in every aspect of what we've done in property with what teams we put together, that, you know, if one solicitor says, I'm sorry, I can't do that for you. If you've heard or you know someone that is doing it, just go to another solicitor and the chances are they will know or they've done it once or they've done it twice or they do it all the time. But if you feel that it's legal and you know you can do it, always find someone that will be able to facilitate that for you. And me and my mom, Jackie, have found that very sort of very easy moving forward. And but yeah, started down in South Wales, tried a few different strategies, went straight into HMOs because uh, we were just looking at cash flow. And on one HMO, I knew that I could replace my monthly income uh, with, with pretty much one HMO. So I was like, right, let's do that. Let's get it out. It was the wrong area for it. It was the wrong strategy. It was the wrong everything. It was the wrong absolutely everything. I couldn't have got it more wrong. Um, but, but it was okay. We learned a lot from it. You know, we picked the wrong managing agent. We picked the wrong strategy. We picked the wrong area. There was absolutely no growth in the current area where we were investing. It was all about cash flow. And we completely got it wrong. Uh, but that was our, our second deal, which, I mean, later on I can talk about. But now we've progressed. Uh, we've amassed a portfolio of, of 55 houses in the last eight years, um, all in different parts of the country for all different things. So down south, a lot for capital growth, but they do rent well. Um, up north, we now invest mainly in Greater Manchester. Just love what's going on with, with the movement of the area, how big Manchester's getting, the fact that HS2 is going up there. Uh, I just believe, my belief is that that's where things are moving. So yeah, that's what we've been doing. We're really enjoying it. Um, we've actually never been so busy considering it's so competitive out there. Um, but yeah, it's all been great. It's all been really, really good. That's amazing. Can I just say the thing that came out of my, in, or sprang up in my head when you were speaking, it's like, if you feel it's legal. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's like, is that your like definition? It's like, if you feel it's legal, then go for it. But it, you know, it, it, what does that mean? <laughs> Listen, my dad was a detective for 20 years. He told me to be very, very limited in what I said whenever I was pulled. So no, uh, I just, I just, uh, I mean, what I mean by that is just that, you know, more often than not, and it, and it often comes from people that care about you the most, they'll limit you, they'll stop yeah. you from, from doing anything. So yeah. uh, the first one, again, was my dad. My dad was a detective when I told him that I'd signed up and paid money for a training course that wasn't anything to do with school. It was, it was straight on the internet. It was, you've been done. You've ruined yeah. your financial future. Yeah. I got absolutely everything. And it was all from a place of love. And I get that. I do completely understand that. But, it, you know... I often find that the people closest to you hold you back the most, but it's from a, it's from a place of naivety. Mm. So when they say you can't do that or you can't get into property because you've got no money or, you know, I spoke to my solicitor and they said, no, you can't do that. You know, they, they expect that because that's what they've been told that that is the answer and that's it. Whereas if you keep looking, you often find that, that, that there is a way forward. And we have been very good at making certain deals that seemed impossible work very very well for us and actually turn out to be fantastic deals because nobody else could see the way through it and, and we, you feel they're legal you feel and we feel they're legal <laughs> so therefore you go for it <laughs> i love it no you're right aren't you you're absolutely right that's amazing I, just to so that's you've basically been buying like seven houses a year for eight years yeah yeah and we was was that growth pretty steady or was it like um you know did you have any breaks in that or was it very much yeah. It was very, very up and down. First year was six. Um, then I left full-time work. Second year, 
uh, was around the same, I think. Third year, hardly any, maybe one or two, if that. Uh, I got more into the seminar side of the industry then because that, that was my passion. I really enjoyed seeing where people were coming from and what they were achieving. So I started pushing that, which was great for me and I learned a lot. Although I probably feel like I got into it a, a bit too early and I should have learned a bit more first. But yet, that was my passion. I loved doing it. I learned a lot. I learned how to speak to people. And that side of it really helped me on the negotiation front in my property business, in doing deals and finding out what motivated people and, you know, you know, having a strategy before going in. So if, if I was, you know, speaking direct to vendor, finding a deal and it was an 80 year old lady, the best thing is that maybe me at six foot seven is not, it's probably not best to be stood in front of her when she opens the door. It's probably better that my mom stands there, you know, at like a slender five, seven and, you know, a middle-aged lady who's a bit more relatable. So, you know, things like that and just making people feel comfortable and giving people your time and, and, uh, and, and using, you know, you know, using what you're good at and, and to the best of your ability, you know, I know that I'm not good in certain scenarios and Jackie's better and vice versa. So, so we, um, yeah, we, t- we tend to work quite well together and it's definitely legal. <laughs> or so you feel or so you feel <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing so I guess the question we ask everyone that comes on this show is on the show on this podcast even um, come <laughs> what, on what, down. What, <laughs> what does the human side of property look like to you oh I mean it's it's very. I find it so interesting because that the, the human side of it to me is far more important than the financial side of it. Because without the human side of it, you can't do well. So it, it's very. You know, I really enjoy creating win-win situations and and actually helping someone. So you know, not that I'd be dissing all estate agents or anything like that, but what I tend to find is that they're limited in actually what they can do to help people. The market has to be very, very easy for them to be able to represent their client to the, to the you know, for the best of their clients. So someone's mm-hmm. selling a house. Whereas from what I've learned over the years and what my mom Jackie's learned over the years is how to create situations where, you know, in, in a normal circumstance, somebody could, you know, I'll give you an example. We bought a place, down in Wales where the house was only worth 65 in its current condition. He had it on the market for 75. It wasn't a buying market. It wasn't a flipping market. He had it on with the estate agent for three years for too much. And they kept saying to every buyer, all this, you know, this property is it's on for this, but we can't sell it. The owner will not come down. He won't come down. He's being really stubborn. And in the end, I thought this is funny. So I just got in touch with the owner myself, knocked on his door and had a conversation with him. And I said, look, I know I shouldn't be doing this because you're, you know, you're represented by an agent, but there's nothing that says you can't go around and say hello. And he explained his situation to me and that he actually owed more on the owed more than what the property was worth. So he was never going to sell it. So being able to sit down with him and go, right, okay, I'll give you what you need for that property, but we need to structure it in this way. Will, will that work for you? It will stop you getting blacklisted. It will stop, it effectively saved him financially. You know, it meant that he could still get lending because he wasn't defaulting on his payments. And, and we ended up doing a deal that he was extremely happy with. He got far more than what the property was worth. He got his mortgage paid for for a period for, for, for years um, and, and everybody won. But he was never, ever going to achieve that in his situation. And it was only because, you know, he wasn't taught that you could do this in school. He wasn't taught that you could do this anywhere else. So just to be able to sit down and, and actually be able to help. And yes, 
I don't want to disillusion you. Like we are, it is a business to us. We do make money. Um, but, but it's not, but most of the time, you know, the reason why we've been able to amass so many properties in such a short space of time is because we're not doing it the same way as everybody else. We're not walking into the estate agents and saying, right, this is what I need to do. And listening to everything that they say, we're getting close to the owners and we're reassuring them and showing them that, that, that there is a way forward and and that it's not all doom and gloom and you know with a, with an agent saying you can't well you're never going to sell it for this but they're also but also agents don't know absolutely everything so yeah to me it's a, it is genuinely about helping people and and if you can make money while helping people that's that's the property that's the people side of property to me yeah, yeah. i love it love it love it love it yeah. yeah that makes sense i think that's I think because we've all kind of come through a similar type of uh, training and and learning education to get to this point that we've we all started off on the ethical foot. So it's yes, like you said, it has to be financially viable. It, it's a business at the end of the day. Mm. It has to make money, but you can do that and still be extremely wealthy and well off and have a decent portfolio without screwing people over. You know, the, you, you yeah. can have both. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's nice. It's nice that you're able to help him. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's funny, isn't it? It's always about the conversations that you have with people. But often, especially estate agents, I was teaching at the weekend and I just went hard on estate agents. I didn't mean to, but I actually ended up going off on one about how much I fucking hate them. Like, <laughs> I, just, I just remember. Can we apologise to all the estate agents that are listening? <laughs> sorry, estate agents. It's like, no, I'm not sorry. Get your shit together. Stop being such dickheads. Like, yeah. why do you have to behave the way you do sometimes? They're such gatekeepers. And I understand it because obviously they've got permission to preserve and, you know, they, they work for the vendor. Exactly. But actually, in that situation, they weren't serving him at all. No, not at all. Yeah. And it's it's and like I agree with you, Joe. I, I agree. Yes, they are gatekeepers. But the fundamental issue is that that they're conditioned to be that way because their industry is not motivated to sell anywhere near as much as better economies. If you go somewhere like America or Canada, where they're making 10% commission on selling a house, they sell the hell out of that house. Like I've never seen, I've been to a house viewing over there where they had a professional chef and they had a baker (laughs) there and, and there was, you know, and there were, you know, there was a clown in the garden to look after the kids, you know, like making balloon animals and everything. You don't see anything like that over here, even in the really, you know, even in the wealthy sectors, you might have a really nice brochure or a a visual 3d, floor plan or whatever you might get all of that and they might spend no some more money on the marketing the but, but no clown in the garden, in the garden. No, no inflatable crocodile in the pool there's none of that so uh, <laughs> this yeah, is a trick or what like so yeah. i get it but it's almost that they're in it they're having a losing battle aren't they and that's so so and, and that's why you you know you learn all of the other ways to find deals and to move forward and and, and yeah and that, that's that's where we mainly focus probably 90 percent of our deals come from outside of estate agents that's great mm. yeah cool so the human side of property to you is just not estate agents. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, did you write that down for a title? I feel like that's really good. <laughs> I'm currently writing. I've been writing quite a lot, actually. <laughs> I can see uh, that. I've, I've got about 20 different episode titles. <laughs> from, um, yes, millionaire. As long as it, I like as long as it feels legal. <laughs> as long as it feels legal it's spicy yeah. as long as it feels legal you just kind of just said it like, I know it feels legal broadly feels legal <laughs> not is legal feels legal 
Where is that? Amazing. Like? Arguing in a court of law. It just felt legal at the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. But um, did you have a question for us? I believe you may have come prepared. I did, yeah. So, um, is it does it feel legal most of the time? Is that your question? <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It is a it is a personal question, and you don't have to answer it if you don't want to. I mean, I'd love you to, but if you can't, I understand. So, I start with you, Joe. Oh, what do you, what do you prefer, Coke or Pepsi? Or no, Pepsi. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so my 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 actual question is: um, if there was a nom, if you're in if you're in the position that you need to be in financially to, to pursue a non-profit passion, what would it be and why? Oh, it's, um, it's public speaking. Awesome. Yeah, it's public speaking. It's being on a main stage and it's talking to people about um, being sort of true to themselves. So I, I realised this, I think, over the last year. It's like, I love helping people on a one-to-one, but I know where my, I'm most comfortable is one-to-many. I'm, I don't get nervous about public speaking at all, never have done. In fact, I feel like I'm coming home when I stand up in front of a room, whether that's just like three people or it could be, you know, a thousand people. I just don't feel nervous. I feel like I'm supposed to do that. And um, yeah, I mean, my background is performance anyway. And so my whole mantra is perform all you are. And I like to get people to realise the full spectrum of their own personal rainbow. So for example, you're into rugby, right? Like that's one of your passions. You're also into property and you're also ridiculously tall. And you know, you work with your mum and all of these elements are part of who you are, what makes you who you are. So being able to get people to realise how all of those ingredients, all those different colours of their rainbow make up who they are, then applying that to whatever they're supposed to be doing on this planet and letting those true colours shine in combination, not in silos, is what I want to get up and talk passionately about on a main stage all across the world. So, um, yeah, perform all you are and do that publicly on different things. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, beat that, boys. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think uh, for for me, it's, it's and it's something. It is kind of like um, a part of the property strategy as well. Is providing um, homes or shelter for uh, young LGBTQ plus people. Um, so a lot of young people, when they come out or when they're uh, when they're in that early phase of their life, they struggle. A lot of people struggle. A lot of, a lot of people end up on the streets. Uh, through no fault of their own, through families not understanding, through fear, a lot of unknowns. So just having a safe haven for them to go to, where they've got access to uh, a, a safe place to sleep at night, um, maybe access to counsellors to speak to people that are going through or have gone through what they're in or the position that they're in right now, so that they don't end up on the streets. They, 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 it's a slippery slope when you end up homeless. Um, so to prevent that from happening is would be a really um, big tick in my box. Yeah, that would really work. Awesome. Cool. And for me, it's probably around because something because before I got into property, I was a professional musician, I was a piano player, and um, I did a lot of work with. Um, you know, a lot of work in teaching, education, um, choirs, bands, you know, all sorts of stuff. And um, I think one thing which I'm quite passionate about is, or very passionate about, is, is um, access to 
uh, music, musical opportunities for um, for kids. And I think there is a bit of a there's um, a miss. Um, I think it's missed opportunities um, a lot of the time because it's something which is not focused on as a core um, academic part of the curriculum. And I think um, having um, almost universal access to to music and, and musical knowledge, musical education, I think would encourage so much more um, outside of just the musical side. So it, it, it improves cognitive ability, it improves um, uh, you know sociability as well you know one of our big uh, big values is, is community and and there's no better way of bringing people together than music it's um, absolutely massive um, it accompanies everything else so if you can have um, music at the heart of you know everything that you do then um, especially from a very young age then it can solve a lot of a lot of problems um, out there. So I think um, you know, universal access to musical opportunities is something that I've not really given much thought to um, because we're very, very much into you know the business, you know the portfolio, and and you know, the, you know the giving back at the moment is very much within housing and and that. But um, very much on my roadmap, roadmap is to give back in a musical fashion. Oh, that's cool. They were all so different, guys. I'm very impressed. <laughs> Matt, Matt, I shed a tear, I think, then. <laughs> Is that because it was so boring? Shut up! Nod off and a wee minute. <laughs> Cry myself to sleep. <laughs> uh, that, that's my daughter, and she's just woken up. <laughs> Christ doesn't go to sleep, Christ to wake up. <laughs> but I, I think it's it's really interesting when you ask that question. I, I always think this: like um, those those passions always go back to the heart of like who you are or what you wanted or what what was um, important to you as a kid. Because music's always been important to you. LGBTQ plus rights have always been important to you now for obvious reasons. And for me, you know, performance was my background. So it's just like, it's quite um, visceral, isn't it? It's almost quite primal to who you are as a human. I think a lot of it was, um, yeah. when you're growing up, you have lots of, well, I, I don't know for you guys, but you don't necessarily do the thing which, I suppose you do the thing which you're more passionate about, maybe. Maybe because there's no pressure, there's no financial pressure. You're you're just you're you're doing who you what you are. So, for example, as a rugby player, you play rugby at school. You go play it for a club. There's no yeah, there's no financial pressures. And then uh, if you want to become a professional rugby player, it becomes a lot lot more difficult. And you know, it's a a thing in its own right. But most people aren't going to become professional rugby players. But um, you know, if you want to, then kind of give back. For me, music it just makes sense to kind of give back in that fashion as similarly with the property giving back in uh you know writing books and all that kind of stuff you know we've been there done it um how can we help so music been there done it how can we help and then something i i massively regret is not um diving into the music industry as as much as i probably could have done um through fear of failure and fear of success mm. uh, both of those things and both the things which i have learned to deal with now so um something which we uh, i'm now quite comfortable speaking to quite well-known musicians well-known people whereas before i was like whoa yeah you put these people on a pedestal don't you you can't Mm -hmm. yeah yeah 
yeah. yeah. So bringing kind of making yeah, people are just people. Anyway, I forgot where we're going with this. No, that's a good point. Well, I was just, just thinking. I was just thinking how grateful I was that Sean didn't go into law because he would have been like, "Well, if it feels legal, just do it." There's a lot. There's a lot of grey areas in law. Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if you were advising your clients. It's like, well, oh, you know, it's see how you feel. <laughs> with it. Let your gut be your guide. So, what would yours be then? Throwing the question back at you. Uh, well, it's a bit of a mix between passion and experience. So. Uh, I'm not just passionate about rugby, I'm passionate about sport in general. And the there's a big push at the moment, even if you're not into sport, about mental health, especially mental health in males. Uh, so one, one that I had was I had a friend in high school actually break his neck and was paralysed from the waist down purely by accident in a game of rugby, just totally accident. And I saw, because he was insured, I saw how the governing body took care of him. And it was fantastic that literally... They built an extension out the back of his family's house. They, they built him a separate kitchen, much lower down, because he was in a wheelchair, uh, paid for him to... He then ended up becoming a personal trainer and now works with the Great Britain wheelchair basketball team. I mean, like, he's just such an inspiration, like, an unbelievable guy, and so fun and really positive. And we went and visited him a couple of times in Stoke Mandeville. Then he had a chest infection at the time, so they had to give him a tracheotomy as well as him being told that he was being paralysed. So his voice went everything. Uh, but I saw how he was taken care of and he literally got everything he needed uh, as, straight away. So I wanted to set up uh, I have a passion for skiing and linking it to property. I always wanted my own chalet when I was doing, you know, at the stage of hopefully doing very well. But I wanted to set it up so that throughout all of a ski season or a summer season, I could bring over uh, aspiring physically or visually impaired people who wanted to become athletes and run sports trainers all free all free of charge so you know everything that's funded through the charity uh, it, it would bring in you know guides it would bring in uh, people who taught them how to ski or board or whatever they were choosing to do or cycle or anything have it all funded you know flights paid for the lot and 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 provide that it takes a lot and you know, there's an awful lot of finance that goes in that. But if I could provide something like that, even if it was just for a very small amount of people, that would be that would be amazing. Oh my God, that like shit all over us, didn't it? That was amazing. <laughs> Sorry, I asked. No. <laughs> <laughs> really We're all awesome. crying. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, really cool. That's awesome. How, I mean, how far away do you feel like you you are from that? Like, is that something that you're able to put your energy into at the moment? Uh, it's, it's it's all part of a plan. There's you know, I've been putting away for for that opportunity the first thing is to you know buy a property over there for myself first and and then you know see what potential that has so it's like and also identifying a location that is also because you're in the mountains eh? you've got it you've got to find and yes the europeans are far better at setting things up like they actually put grit on the roads when there's snow and stuff like that you know so so it's if it's finding a mountain range where it's far more suitable for you know people with disabilities and things like that and and you know so it, i've been more on the research level for a while but yeah that's anything like that that it is something that that can potentially be in the near future but a few deals have to go my way and you know getting involved in all the right setups have to be my way and and i know nothing about it so it's also bringing the p- people in that, that can point me in the right direction and i can make the right contacts and yeah, but definitely something that I've, that I've been working on for a long time. But you've, it all comes back to helping yourself first, doesn't it? 
Yeah. So because I never could have done it if I'd have if I'd have gone down, you know, the the the, the nine to five route. I just never could have. So it's time, isn't it? It's time. Yeah. And also, I think not ju- not just time to kind of do something like that, but to even take the time out to con- to conceive the idea, because you just get so wrapped up in that nine to five model, don't you, that you don't actually think beyond that. So that's awesome. It becomes a dream rather than a goal, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. Oh, good on you. I think it's brilliant. Oh, say, so Joe, do you want to lead us in a game of uh, Russian roulette? Russian, why do you always call it that? Just for fun. <laughs> you <laughs> may die at the seat. end of this, Sean. I mean, we, did, we should have told you that. Under your seats, you shall find. <laughs> 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 All right. I've so. been and dropped off. Uh, yes. No. <laughs> no. What, what, is, what is episode roulette? So episode roulette is where we get our guests to shout stop um, upon one of us scrolling through previous episodes and whichever episode I stop on uh, it will cover a certain topic and then we ask our guest what their human view is on that particular topic so I'm going to start scrolling and whenever you're 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 to yourself yes yeah especially if they're right really nice like your last one was for goodness sake how lovely what a nice human being just keep it to 30 seconds yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, don't do a mat and like wang on forever like (laughs) (laughs) sorry matt i'm being really horrible right okay whenever you're ready sean shout stop how many podcasts you done Mm. stop 89 (laughs) okay all right okay episode 24 not on my doorstep so this was all about investing at a distance whether you do whether you don't what works what doesn't so yeah what's your human view on that oh well being dyslexic I I don't tend to explain myself very well this I'm extremely blunt on this get a grip go where it works yeah like honestly, like like uh, the reason why I invested five hours from where I lived when I start, you know, I was living in Brighton when I started investing in property, and we were investing over in Swansea, and now we invest in Greater Manchester, and you know, it's five hours in the car, but that's where it works. And mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people spoke to me and said, "Well, you you must pass so many properties," or "Oh, I, you know, I couldn't I couldn't uh, possibly invest somewhere that I didn't live." Why? Mm-hmm. You know, somebody came up to me once at a seminar and said, "Well." Sean, like, what happens if I buy a house one day and then, like, the next day it just, like, falls over? <laughs> and I was, I was like, I was like, well, I mean, I know there's risks in every type of investing, but fuck me. Like, you'd have to be pretty unlucky if that just happened. You know, and people, and, and I kind of understand because when I used to go to my investment areas, I used to drive past some of the properties that I bought in the early days just to see they were still there. So I sort of get it, but but, you can, but, but like, but not to that extent, you know, like I don't need to know. And you know, it's all, well, oh, look, the blinds are up. Oh, I wonder if the tenants are looking after the place. It's not your job to get your hands off the reins, let go and, you know, focus on what's important for me. It's, you know, it's growing the business because it puts me in a position where, I can get to what I where I need to get to and what I want to get to as fast as possible. You know, I can be the person that my family can come to in a heartbeat if they need help because I'm now in that spot. And and that meant investing in an area where that worked for me okay. to get there. And investing where I lived didn't it didn't work for that. We have some properties there now, but not uh, but it, we built up a mass elsewhere first. So yeah, get a grip and just become a local expert wherever you are, like wherever you choose to invest. Um, a big tip I would give was. You know, a road might seem nice, but but sit in your car at night there. 
Mm. You know, and if someone with your family and friends living on that road, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, and if someone knocks on your window and offers to sell you something, like or any, you know, then you know, don't you? Or if somebody, or if you get out your car and there's no exhaust on it, or there's whatever, <laughs> you know, like it's like it, it, you just know, don't you? And, and and that was one thing I will take from my dad being in the police. He, he, you know, he was literally conditioned and trained for 20 years to see the wrong and the bad in everyone and to be suspicious. So, so what he did is he, he, he would actually be fantastic at property if he got into it because he's so nosy by nature because that was his job for 20 years. So, um, but yeah, I'd just say, yeah, going back to it, just go where it works. If you do your research, you know, accept the fact that if you've got a normal job and you've got to get in the car and you've got to drive on weekends, like you're, that's why it's so important. And I hate to say it because it sounds so corny, but that's why your reason for doing it has to be important because you won't go otherwise. You'll be down the pub or you'll be everywhere you're everywhere you could so easily be with all of your friends. You know, all of my friends went to university and while they were there, you know, drinking and failing their exams, I was setting up a business, you know, a business. And and I had no aspiration to go into uni. I felt the jealousy. I felt the bug when they were all going and I wasn't. But, you know, when they all came out and I realised I, I was in quite a comfortable position, you know, it, it, it made it a lot easier to accept that. And that's because, you know, my wives were very big. You know, it was having a mother who had, had arthritis in both her knees for 25 years and we flipped a house and we paid for her to have a double knee replacement and she now runs marathons and goes skiing. Oh That's my God. why I did it. That's you know, so it's, cool. Go Jackie. Woo! Yeah, she's lunatic. So it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's that, you know, and that, uh, you know, without getting too 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 into it that is that's why we did it and that's why we were in the car every weekend when my 19 20 year old friends were all out yeah mm. amazing absolutely love it i've got to, i shouldn't two things came to my head again when you were talking number one houses falling over i had images of like a whole street of cartoon houses <laughs> all just passing out like, <laughs> thinking, like oh and then the other thing i was like imagining you just sat on the street going would I invest on this street at night? And then someone knocking on your window trying to sell you something and you going, does this feel legal? <laughs> is it what he says he is? <laughs> right, next, let's go to another episode. Right, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. You're still scrolling. I'm still scrolling. Oh, stop. <laughs> still scro- I'm joking. Ah, uh, oh, here we go. Ah, episode 18, Property Projects. What's your favourite bit? Uh, definitely the start. Really? Never, never, never the finish. Always a week in when the place is an absolute wreck. It's my favourite. Oh, okay. So we're, re- we're not a purchase stage. We're at refurb stage. Yeah? Oh, no. Pur- purchase stage is the word. Like, oh. I... I'm eight years in and I've got no idea about the legal system still Dang. with, with solicitors and no idea. It's just sign this. And then, you know, my, my entire understanding of it is that if they sent me a list of what I needed at the start, I could provide them with everything in one week. But, but, but what you do is you send it off. It all goes away. They take six weeks to say, yeah, that's fine. And then they say, we now need this. And, you know, and you're going like, this is like a 50 grand two bed house. Like, why has it taken me four months to buy this? This is ridiculous. And my, there's nothing wrong with my solicitor, you know, like it's, so, so it's, yeah, definitely refurb stage uh, always brings me back to, oh, it makes me sound like I had a troubled childhood, but like when it's all smashed to pieces, you know, when the house is all yeah. destroyed and, you know, there's, and the stud walls are all down and there's rubble yeah. everywhere. I love that. That's my so favorite bit. Oh, yay. Love it. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. That's wicked. Okay, cool. Right, we've got time for one more, Matt. 
Yeah, let's do one more. Okay, right. Speed, quick fire round. Okay, scrolling, 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 scrolling. Oh. oh my god, this is such a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that reaction for a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's not said in stories, which is normally what prompts that reaction. Episode five, what not to wear. <laughs> <laughs> What what advice would you give? When it comes to property, (laughs) what not to wear? Um, Yeah, maybe don't wear a straight jacket, but um, I'm not. Yeah, I mean, I never go too smart. Mm. I'd always say be the average Joe, you know, know, don't. (laughs) Sorry. Be, be someone who fits in, you know, you want to be a chameleon when you meet, especially when you're vendor, when you're meeting a vendor, you know, if you're there in a suit instantly, they think too professional, you're after my money. You know, if you are, uh, you know, if you're your business partner, if one of you, if, if one of you has a nice car, always take the one that's worse, always, you know, everything like that, just play yourself down. So it, you are more relatable because in the areas that I buy that, you know, it's, it's, they're very much working class areas, which is where I grew up, you know? And so the most important thing is to, be yourself and and you know i would never show up in a suit and tie i mean you know jeans and and trainers and 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 that's it and and it's just sit down have a conversation and and make a connection and i would always cancel meetings beyond that if i'm in the middle of making a connection and a potential deal because that five-hour journey you know if you get one deal that's a great return on your time straight away so always get always push everything else back give that person your time and yeah, always be Mr. Normal and Mr. Which is hard for me being so tall and so big. So I'm there's me like crouching <laughs> down and and uh, and and you're all stepping back a few feet and having a conversation at distance, which is much easier now. But um, yeah, just yeah, what not to wear? Just don't 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 go over the top ever. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, we've had similar conversations. In fact, that's kind of what we said on the podcast when we recorded that. Episode. It was. It was like Sean had listened to it and um, was just reciting it word for word. <laughs> <laughs> it's because he's a super fan. Actually, he actually doesn't believe that at all. He just wanted to say what we said. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. I did watch a couple of podcasts just before coming on here out of nerve, so that was good. It was. It's oh. nice. It's been so relaxing. <laughs> We're definitely no, chill. Definitely. So chill. Just as a quick thought, to be completely informative. Um, what would you say is your top non-agent um, sourcing tip? What, well, uh, as in lead generation? Yeah. Uh, it depends on the area. Depends where. Depends where people are. So you know how people respond to news. So uh, in the areas where I invest up north, they swallow what's on the TV. That's what I've noticed. It's TV and local newspapers. So my ad was always in the local newspaper, and I always printed it upside down. So, so when, when, so someone had to, you know, in the middle of the ad page and I printed it deliberately upside down. So everybody went, who's this idiot turned it over and read it. So, so we, so that was always a good one. Uh, uh, Leafleting. I was never a fan of until I started screwing them up and posting them that worked. Uh, But yeah, mainly, mainly newspaper ads and lamb, definitely lamb reg, anything empty. We tend to go for stuff that we're, we have a strategy where if we're going on land registry, it has to have been empty for more than two years um, because that's our conversion rate it tends to be two years. And that's when we're doing a deal most of the time. So land reg is always a good one and cheap um, and running an ad will get you the most phone calls. It just might be that they're, they're not as easily converted. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
Upside down adverts. I haven't heard that one before. That's really I've cool. I've not heard that either, actually. That's, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a novel. cute one. That's really so cute. Talk about standing out and do something different, but uh, it's yeah. simple. Well, it was actually by accident at first. I mentioned I was dyslexic. And then I started getting calls and I was like, no, we'll keep doing this. This works. <laughs> wait, no, wait, wait, wait. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Are you serious? It was a mistake, first of all. It can't yeah, have been. Yeah, first time it was a mistake. to print upside down like by mistake because surely the editors would have sorted it. Just their fault. Literally, that's their hilarious. Fault. That is so funny. That's the universe sorting you out, that is. That's wicked. <laughs> I loved it. It's cracking. <laughs> And you can't so ever notice it, you know. Yeah, brilliant. you're not going to forget that. <laughs> no. Good, you would, wouldn't you? You turn it right. That's so funny. I love it. Speaking yeah. of um, not being forgetful uh, or forgettable, uh, thank you, Sean, so much for being unforgettable today <laughs> and uh, for joining us here on Proper Jam. So, just say thank you again and goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Goodbye from me, guys. Such a pleasure. Come and jam with us on social media where you can hear more and see more on Facebook. Search Property Jam Podcast. Or you can follow us on Instagram at Property Jam Podcast. Or you can email us at propertyjampodcast at outlook.com. See, see you on, on the next, next episode. episode.